Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hi, this is Bob McCowan. John Shannon and I are taking the week off. I know, I know. But everybody's got to have a week off. While you're sitting there, here's one of the best of the Bob McCowan podcast. Hope you enjoy it. And we'll see you back here live next week. Uh, Glenn Healy is uh, with us from Parts Unknown. How are you, Hills? You look beautiful. Thank you uh, so much. I'm so glad to be on on this show. I, I am in my basement. This pandemic has, has caused me to be uh, evicted from my office in Toronto and also from my office in this home where... Uh, palatial basement lock ontario i used to have a beautiful office and one day the kids said we need a lounge uh we need a karaoke machine and a playstation and so i came home to my desk being in the basement and that's right and all of the paraphernalia you see behind me the trophies uh, you stole well here i brought a prop so why not start the show the right way they're all dance trophies (laughs) <laughs> pick it up award and i'm going to give this to bob right away but they're all dance trophies and so yeah memories of the past i i, I look at it this way that's a hundred thousand dollars i spent on dance right behind me there so <laughs> well, i am stuck here not a drop of, of sunlight and if i fall asleep halfway through the show um don't blame me well when you have the garage sale and get rid of all that crap uh let us know what you get like i'm guessing <laughs> maybe 40 50 bucks for your hundred thousand dollar investment Not the best uh, by the way by, by the way how were you at highland dancing i never did it uh i, I <laughs> oh no no i know i'm well aware <laughs> on occasion i would do the piping for it right and uh and i would finish the piping and you would play the same song all day right so it's the same song you can't mess up it's the same song and then at the end of the the competition i would have all the mothers come up and uh, not all of them, but a couple of them, you know, see you, you're a terrible piper. You're so out of tune and you can't play on the beat. And I'd be like, look at your daughter can't dance. Okay. That's why she lost. It has nothing to do with me. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, the best in the world, a Colleen Rintamaki, so graceful to watch. Uh, but when I did it, it was just, I was collecting a paycheck. Kind of like working for you, Johnny. Actually, you know, it's funny because I was, we were sitting around the dinner table the other night watching some movie, I think about Shetland. Um, and uh, I announced that I wanted to buy a kilt. And I, I said, you know what? I, I have a lot, you know, the McCrays, the McClouds, the McGraws. There's a lot of Scott in this old boy. And I think I should have a kilt. You well, should. It, did not go, it did not go over well. Well, hmm. you, you know, I know it's you don't always have to be right, but you have to be happy. Uh, but yeah. every once in a while, just go be you. That's what uh, where, you, where do you it? buy kilts? Where do you buy? Is there a kilt oh, store? Absolutely, get them anywhere. I would suggest this uh, because there are a few bad things from Scotland. Haggis being one of them. Robbie yeah. Burns coming up soon. I think that's the last time we we actually were. I was on with we you. Did he, yeah, Robert, yeah. 
uh, just pick the right tartan because you have to wear that publicly, and there are some ugly ones. Well, I mean, there's some ones the that are bright the, yellow. The McLeod, we have to wear the McLeod tartans. We have to wear the so McLeod tartans. We'll just make it up because most people, they have no idea what the tartans are. You just tell them what it is, and they believe you. It's kind of what we did on TV, you know, or on radio. I mean, they can't. So just make it up. Can't just, see. Just because we're on a podcast, don't give away all our secrets. Okay. <laughs> Can we get to something serious here, or are we going to fart why? around for the whole show? Why? 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 Why do we need something serious? I don't. Know. I'll give you something. When, when, did, when have you become so serious? I don't know. Uh, it's the it's the it's the pandemic. It's uh, it's uh, completely oh. thrown me off kilter. You should pardon Jeez. the expression. Oh, you're very good. That's nice. Nice segue. So back, just something serious. So uh, with this pandemic, normally we have our big Robbie Burns night, which is coming yeah, up. Yeah, of course. And we have about a thousand people that infiltrate uh, a particular establishment. It is an open bar, so at ten o'clock it becomes a, a total uh, fudu gong show. And uh, this year we can't do it. So we got together on the shores of Lock Ontario and filmed our entire concert. And then uh, the idea that I had was to do a Burns dinner in a box and all the money goes to the Legion. So you put it in perspective, it's haggis, it's it's a shot of scotch. It's not screech like what you have, Robert, but shot of scotch. And so basically I've renamed, uh, yeah, I've renamed the dinner in a box called shit on a shingle. Okay. <laughs> so now the money goes to the Legion. I was hoping to sell a hundred dinners and, and you sold a thousand dinners. No. So we have, wow. a, we have a lot of people in Ontario that uh, are going to have upset tummies on Saturday oh. night when they open up that lovely Scottish dare they call dinner and watch our show. So, my my grandmother used to re- read Robbie Burns poems all the time. So That's she was from well. she was from she was from Hamilton. She was from Hamilton across the bay. So here here's a a, a book from 1917 of all Burns poems. There you go. Wow. Just, yes. Yeah. So I, I thought that was 1917. I thought it was the last year you played, and those were all your stats, but. Worst food I've ever had um, was in Scotland. Um, not surprisingly, I don't think. Oh. Um, went to the old course to play as a, a guest of uh, Jack Nicholas, actually. And um, uh, I will recall the one night I went into Toon in order to find myself a local establishment. And this to was, fine tune yourself. Was highly recommended. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, and they and I ordered peppercorn steak. Um, it was probably a 16-ounce piece of meat with maybe one ounce of actual steak on it, and the rest was fat covered in peppercorns. Well, it was without a doubt what, the worst for, meal I've ever had in my life. Yeah, worst. I, I, I ate at the same place. I went. I ate with. Uh, oh, I golf with Tiger Woods. I golf together. And then we uh, we decided not to eat and just drink. So uh, <coughs> name drop, name drop. Fine, 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 uh, fine, fine. I didn't say I had the, dinner the, with Jack. The only thing the Scots can do is if if you're going to Scotland to eat, it has to be deep fried. It has to be fried. It has to. You can't go and have 
steak. Oh, I mean, they made great. They, they made the, the one thing ever all over the UK, particularly Scotland, French fries. They made great fries, chips. They made great chips. That's what they do. I used to love it when you would order fish and chips and it would come in a newspaper. Sure. Oh, yeah. Was that good for you as a kid, having the newspaper ink on your French fries? And it didn't matter. It just, it just seemed like the thing to do. I'm the oldest living Healy at 58 years old. No one else has lived to this age. I'm out doing the whole thing. Well, this curry is a big dish there now. And, uh, and if I'm John Shannon, go buy the kilt cheapo. Okay? Yeah, yeah. I need to buy the kilt. I need, I need to buy the kilt. I got to get the kilt, I think. I'll help. Uh, before, I, I'm going to get back to the business of the, of the game. But as a player, uh, for instance, this week, Winnipeg and Ottawa play three consecutive games. They, three times in a row, the Jets and the Senators will play. Two in Ottawa, one in Winnipeg. What was that like? I mean, and, and do you like that? Do you like the emotion and the energy that will be head-to-head for three straight games? Well, if I go back and, and I put my 1985 hat on uh, when we played in the Smythe division, and, uh, you know, as you recall back then, uh, I'd have to go up, and I think I can't even recall the number of times we played Edmonton. But pretty much every You played time, them eight, eight times. You played eight them times. eight times. So yeah. after every first period, this was the pep talk. All right, start the jet. <laughs> this is over. <laughs> it's six nothing, seven nothing. What, you think we're coming back? I recall one game when the glass broke and the referee came over to Pat Quinn and said, Pat, the glass is broken. It's going to take some time to fix it. And Pat said to the referee, can you keep the clock running? So, <laughs> no, I didn't like that. I didn't like playing back then. Calgary was, a, was almost a dynasty too. The only thing keeping them in the way was Gretzky and Messier and, and Edmonton. And I would argue with, with, with Ducky, Howardchuk in Winnipeg, they were a darn good team. Good not work. dancing around the league in a yellow sweater with yellow pants and a yellow, yellow helmet with not a single player ever going to the Hall of Fame wondering, hmm, how are we going to compete with these guys nine, ten times a year? And so, uh, hey, it, it, it's, it, it is what it is. I mean, not to use an overused phrase, but – this is the this is the way to mitigate through which is which something no one thought was going to happen March 9th of last year you know March 11th of last year I told my office staff take a week off and we'll see you in a week I haven't been in my office since so they're trying to mitigate through a complete medical health disaster and they're doing the best they can not going to be perfect too many games against too many teams uh, maybe, you know, there'll be fans that say, I used to love watching Sidney Crosby on a Saturday night when Pittsburgh came to town and now they don't come to town. Uh, we're going to have to mitigate through this. There is a light at the end of the tunnel and, and we'll get through it and we'll get fans back in the seat and we'll get vaccinations in arms and we'll get back to a new sense of normalcy. And whatever that new is, uh, it's going to be different, but, but there will be some light that we can see at least 10 or 11 months into something no one's ever planned for. One of the things that, that I'm intrigued to see evolve, and I don't think it has quite yet, is um, the rivalry aspect of... Oh, it's going to happen. Is it's going to happen. Yeah. And, and we all know that when you got into playoffs and you're in a best-of-seven series, with every game that was played between the two teams, the familiarity got greater the number of uh, elbows and spears and hits and anger 
increased from game to game. Familiarity does breed contempt. And we, we, we now are in an era where the game is not played the same way as when you played heels. Um, you know, we're not going to have brawls every night, but I think we would have, if this had happened 15, 20 years ago, oh, yeah. that's where we would be. Now, I don't think that's going to happen now, but tell me what, isn't there merit in this, you know, anger breed or uh, familiarity breeds contempt concept? I, I do like it. There's a, a little, um, a little hate that is always good. Uh, we had that when I played with the Rangers. Uh, we hated the Islanders. Well, when I was with the Islanders, I can recall sitting in the dressing room before the very first Ranger game I played. I could hear this rumble, and I said to Pat Lally, what, what is the noise? He goes, that's, that's the fans in the crowd chanting, banging their feet, like they were ready for it. When they brought Santas on the ice at Christmas time, Islander Rangers, lovely, bring Santas on the ice. Santas, yeah, food. they took their uh, uniforms off, and the Islanders sweaters and the Rangers sweaters that were wearing Santa sweaters, the gift that gives all year long, fought on the ice. With the delay, the start of the period to get the fight from the Santas off the ice. So it does create that element of uh, of angst, so to speak, for two teams. There'll be no surprises for teams when they get to the playoffs. You've played everybody so many times. You know, that's why Gretzky's records are, are to me, are so incredible. When he played Calgary, there, there, every shift, it was Joel Otto mm -hmm. or, or it was Joe Newendike. Like he didn't get a break on any given night. He didn't get to dance into Ottawa, for instance, when they first got their team back in the early nineties and Gretzky got on the ice with Denny VL. Like, is that like Thanksgiving dinner? <laughs> like, come on, Are you kidding. So every night that Gretzky played, it was the same center ice been checking him over and over for all of his career when he played in that Smythe division. So it will be, Hey, though, again, obstacle of COVID creates an opportunity for us to maybe create a rivalry that didn't exist before. Some are inbred. Ranger fans hate Islander fans. You know, the, 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 the two Islander fans that would come up to the Blues and one would be wearing 19 and the other one would be wearing 40 and they stand back to back and they were chased out of the building, 1940, which we heard in every building. So maybe there's some opportunity in COVID. I mean, I do think the rivalries will grow. I, I do think that there will be situations, um, particularly um, beyond the regular regional rivalries. Like Islanders-Rangers is always going to be there. Um, but I think we're going to see other ones really kind of be nurtured now. I mean, I, I think Colorado-Los Angeles is going to become a better rivalry because of this, which will help. Um, and, and, and that might be, that might not be a bad thing coming out of this. Uh, but I don't think we're going to see long-term a Canadian division. I, and I don't think, I, I actually don't think it's good, uh, for the game. I think it, I, I want to see Sidney Crosby every, every year in my arena. I want to see some of the great players that play in the United States play home in Canada. I think that's important. I mean, and th th those are. I don't think it is it, at all. I, I oh, think I, that's I, the I, most I, overstated thing in in all of sport, is this notion that you got to play everybody because you have to have the You want the fans to have the opportunity to see the best players in the world. Well, guess what? There's twenty thousand of them maybe in the arena, and there's uh, two million of them at home watching on TV. 
and they can watch Sidney Crosby or they can watch um, the, the best basketball player, LeBron, for example. You get a chance to see him. You get this chance to see him on television. And, and for the most part, it's the only way you get to see any athlete for most people because it's the same 20,000 in the arena night after night after night after night after night. I don't care about them. I don't care about whether those guys come in. I, I hope Major League Baseball goes back, gets rid of this interleague play and goes back to the way it was. I don't need to see the Los Angeles Dodgers for three games at the, at the Rogers Center. I couldn't, you know, okay, so they're the world champions of the Dodgers. Great. I'll see him in the World Series if I if I if I have to. And a great see a great player, buy a ticket. You know, go on a road trip if you have to. I'd uh, like to buy a ticket, and I'd like to buy a ticket for my home arena. Well, you'd like uh, to, yeah. but and I mean I I I, I don't I, I don't really I, care. I think geographic I rivalries think, sell better. I well, think they do. But there's no question, Bob. Yeah. There's no question. But I also think that there's something to be said for it. And Glenn, you were part of this when you were a with the Rangers, and they would go to the West. It was it was a circus when whether it was Messier or whether it was Wayne going anywhere. Uh, but it, you were also part of it when you were on Hockey Night in Canada when Sidney Crosby would go to Western Canada, uh, or some of the other or the Boston Bruins would go to. I mean. Bobby Clark used to love to take the Philadelphia Flyers at Christmas time and New Year's to the West. I don't know whether that was a punishment or whether it was just a better party. Uh, but and those became those became special events for fans in those cities. And I think that that's something that I think that has to be maintained. Yeah, I think there's there's two things. One, when I was with the Rangers, you're right, Johnny. We would we would go into a building, um, and and we were a, a traveling bunch of rock stars. I mean, we had Messier, and we had Gretzky, and we had Richter, and we had Leach, and we had some of the greatest players in the league at the time. Yep. Maybe some of the greatest players that ever played in the league at the time. And we would go into Florida, and we'd practice in Florida in a non-forsaken rink in the middle of nowhere because they didn't have many. And the, the building would be packed for practice. 400 people jammed into this little tiny arena. And Mike Keenan would start every practice uh, the same way. Every practice was the same way with Mike. Um, so all the guys who shot left would shoot right. All the guys who shot right would switch over and shoot left. And the goalies would have to switch hands. And so the, 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 the uh, comical thing would be all the coaches that would come in from all around Florida to watch and say, okay, I'm going to, my clipboard, I'm going to see what practice looks like. Here we go. First drill. Okay, write this down. Okay, it's a scrimmage right away. All right. And then they would look and, and like, have you ever seen Wayne Gretzky shoot right? Honestly, it's like his brain stopped. He was, you know, and trying to watch me play goal. It's like I, I was wearing galoshes, for goodness sake. Either hand, either way, either hand. Yeah. And so, yeah. so that was, you know, yeah, we would travel that roadshow and it, it became a thing, right? Different than just Carolina going into Florida. So I would agree with John with that. Uh, the other thing I would say, the second most important point, uh, and John, you've been to a, a, a board of governors meeting. There are 32, I guess, board of governors and alternative board of governors. None of the three of us are on that board. So if you think we're going to have a Canadian division, you're wrong because they love the fact that all these guys dance around all over the league and the league has to be all one big happy family and spread the wealth. And it's that way in their business side. It's that way in their talent side. And so, um, yes, would I like to see it? 
Would I love Montreal every Saturday? Maybe, but it ain't going to happen. You're yeah. going to have, and, and fans, you know, you always had that dilemma. You know, if Ovechkin was coming to Toronto on a Saturday night and on a Thursday, he decided to run someone from behind, do you suspend him? Because that kid has been waiting for the one game Ovechkin's coming to Toronto on a Saturday. And you probably could guess there wasn't many big suspensions Thursday, Friday to get into that Saturday game, <laughs> coast to coast to coast. So, uh, but hey, that's just a conspiracy theory from a dumb goaltender. As a, um, as a former target himself, uh, I think our guest would have the opinion that most people have, and that is that goaltending um, is what really counts in, in the postseason. You can win during the regular season with mediocre goaltending, I think. I don't think you can win a Stanley Cup with mediocre goaltending. Glenn Healy joins us. Um, you're the absolute wrong person to ask this question of because of your history. But <laughs> what does that mean? What history? Well, goaltenders defend goaltenders. That's what happens. It's, inev it's an inevitability. <laughs> to a goaltender, no a position is more important, not just in hockey, in any sport, and probably in any endeavor in life itself. A goaltender is more important than the president of the United States. You, you never heard Healy work on television. He didn't. No, defend, I, I, he, he never defended anybody. Well. <laughs> Am I right, Glenn? I'm not on TV. Figure that oh. one. <laughs> that tells you about everything you need to know about him. <laughs> not to mention you and I. So. Is it a, is it about goaltending? It, 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 can you can you win a Stanley Cup without without good goaltending? You know, uh, there's there's I guess there's two uh, a, a tale of two cities. Okay, yeah. I'll take you back to uh, when I was playing with Curtis Joseph, and Curtis and I would sit close to each other on the plane, right side by side. I would have Corey Cross beside me. I'd be playing my electronic bagpipe channel. Corey Cross, he had this, this war book that was about this thick that he would read, but he would only get through two pages and then fall asleep. I, I joke with him all the time that, have you, are you through the book yet, 20 years after you're retired? Like, you're done. <laughs> and then Curtis would read about horse racing and semen and horses and what makes a good horse. And so here we are, these two goalies. I'm playing the bagpipes. He's reading about semen, and I'm thinking, do the fans know we're doing this? Like, really? <laughs> they know we're doing this? But, but what would come out after we played the Ottawa Senators, which were a really good team, and we beat them the number of years in a row, is they would have zone time. And you'd look at the back on the sheet, and the Ottawa Senators would have been in our zone, and I'm, no exaggeration, for like 43 minutes of the game. Sure. And wow. I'm looking at the numbers, I'm going, Cooch, like you were it tonight, buddy. Like, I don't know. When, when he ran into uh, Magoo, the referee, and I – thought that I might have to play. I was like, we're doomed. We're done. So yeah. Bobcat, yeah, you're right. And so, yes, uh, that was everything for the reason we beat the Ottawa Senators. They could look at the, you know, uh, Shane Corson was checking Alexi Ashen. Really? <laughs> Bullshit. No, that's not the case, right? <laughs> it was Curtis Joseph checking the whole Ottawa Senators team. He was that good. And that's why we won. Mike Richter, when we won the cup in 94, his pen penalty shot save on Pavel Bure. That was a series right mm -hmm. there. One moment in time, that was the series. And so, yes, I believe it, it is a factor. 
And then I'll take you back to the time when Philadelphia was playing the Chicago Blackhawks. I was going to say. And, and, and it was like, okay, first save wins. That's right. the way it was in that series, right? You had a guy like Michael Layton, who I think he got picked up on waivers for the, the cost of a Pinto, right? <laughs> and so, like, it was dirt cheap to pick him up. And then, you know, it, it just – that the goaltending wasn't that series. But I don't think in today's game that – and I, all the way through, you know, whether it's the, you know, junior B goalie that won uh, when the Montreal Canadiens. No, won. no, the junior B goalie didn't win. That was the problem. Well, exactly. But that whole story, it, it's goaltending is the story. in the playoffs. So that, that 2010 uh, Stanley cup ended up being Michael Layton versus anti Miami. And, and, and it was just a uh, last shot would win. Right. And it did. But I was more first save would win. Okay. Last would win. First <laughs> save would win. Uh, but it was uh, it was a, a kind of a, cr- a crazy series. And uh, but but you to you know especially today like you know I don't know how these guys are playing in empty buildings and there's no emotion. Like I, I can remember my first game um, when he played against Calgary in the playoffs, and you know you come out of the dressing room in Calgary and it's a mm-hmm. hard left, and then it's about a forty foot walk to a hard right and then you even me bobcat trust me you have to duck your head to get under there's a not possible that that protects you from the fans throwing beer on you and then out you go and there's the sea of red everybody wearing red and i looked at that and i thought it ain't not going to be a good first period it was that uh was that 89 with the kings yeah and uh you know calgary won the cup right yeah uh but just that whole flavor of playoffs and just all the stuff that goes around with it and Maple Leaf Square and what what goes on with that energy so to get disinterested even as an NHL player uh it it is beyond goaltending it's that emotion of winning and that that grasp of where it comes out of your hand after like three days can I can I uh, uh, inject something am I nuts do we spend most of the regular season talking about the the relative merit of each team's forwards and defense and the conversation about goaltending doesn't really arrive until the playoffs do is is that perception real or not am i the only one who thinks that well, i i think you have to ask johnny that because you know when he worked in tv he never hired anyone smart enough to actually talk about that position so everyone who was on TV was too stupid to talk about goaltending. I, all I did was hire goaltenders. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you look, look at my resume of who did you hire? Uh, it goes back to 1984 and it was John Davidson. Then it was uh, Kelly Rudy. Then it was Greg Millen. And then, you know, one day at Maple Leaf Gardens, the Maple Leafs are coming off the ice uh, after a practice and this little squat goaltenders in line with all his other teammates. And he, and he, then he, he goes to the door and looks left and makes a beeline for me. And he says, you're John Shannon. I said, yeah. He says, I want to work. JD said you'd, you'd hire me. Oh, okay. Glenn, uh, how are you doing, sir? Uh, so, so Glenn got hired. So, I mean, all I've done all my life is hire goaltenders. He gave me such great advice to Bob Catholic. I remember the very first show I did, I was injured. I was with the New York Islanders and I had severed a finger. So that's a, that's a really good injury. You can come back from that. No, no problem. Right. Uh, yeah. Finger, uh, Steve Thomas, um, who I love to death, uh, shot, took the top of my finger off. They took it out of my glove, put it in a cup. And I went to 
NYU to get it sewed back on. Okay. That was fine. No playoffs, no rest of the season. Johnny hires me. And uh, first day I'm on the set at the CBC. Remember we were in the atrium. Yeah. 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 And, uh, Ron McLean and myself, and I'm waiting for these pearls of wisdom, right? Like, okay, I don't know how to do TV. So John Shannon's going to tell me how to do TV. Right. <laughs> and so I've got a headset on and that's, that's tough as you know, right? Someone talking as you're talking. And so I'm making my point and I can hear this voice from the back, you know, kind of behind the curtain, you know, Wizard of Oz. And he says to me, sit the F up. Oh, <laughs> there we go. There's my words of wisdom. <laughs> yeah, that's... So, so, yeah, yeah, that... yeah. Well, you were kind of, at five foot seven, when you're hunched over, you can barely be seen over the table. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I, my very first game with hockey in Canada that I was going to do, where I was going to be a, an actual broadcaster in the booth, I was doing it with a great Don Whitman. Right. Oh, sure. Oh, fantastic. And so they've got this big ceremony going on at Edmonton and I've got the can off and I set it down and I'm just enjoying all of this. And then finally, at one point, Don Whitman pushes the mute button and says, hey, stupid, put your headset on. Canada can't hear you without that. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> so I put it back on. First whistle, up come the lines. Remember, Johnny, we used to put yeah. the lines up. Yes. Yeah. Curry, all the, the whole lines. And so, okay, here we go. The Edmonton Oilers lines. And, and the, boom, it was off like that because TV happens fast. I said, well, that was a waste of time unless you were a speed reader. And so just wait because the next whistle, we're going to waste more of your time and put Calgary's lines up. And, and then I, he wonders why he's not on TV anymore. And, and you know, the <laughs> producer called me and goes, you can't say that. I said, well, I did say that. So what am I going to do now? It's, it's right? But, uh, I don't think we put the lines up since that. Oh, I don't know. President, chairman, uh, chief operating officer, chief executive officer, and uh, professional bottle washer for the um, NHL alumni. Glenn Healy is with us. I, I don't know what the hell your title is, Healy. Hashtag make it up. Go ahead. You know. yeah. I, I don't think you don't care and the players don't care, right? Well, I'm just kind of looking behind you and I'm like, did you get evacuated from your home? Yeah. yeah. Well, I did actually. I got, like, where are the, like the Emmys, Johnny, what did, what did we get back in the days we got? Remember the, we, we got a, we got a Juno, the Juno trophies. Yeah. We got Junos. Yeah. 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 The trophies are all packed. Oh no, no, I'm sorry. Juno's that that's for my music. Gemini's. We got Gemini's. Gemini's. So we got Gemini's. Can I tell you my Gemini story. Yeah, go ahead. So, and again, Bobcat clearly didn't win one because there's none on the shelf. He would, he would have. There's on nothing the on the damn shelf, Healy, because I'm moving. So but go ahead, tell your Gemini story. So uh, I'm up for an award, and I'm going against Ron McLean, and I'm going against Brian Williams and myself, and they put me in the third row, and I'm thinking, winner, winner, chicken dinner. dinner. Like here we go, baby. Like you don't put guys in the third row who are going to lose, right? No, yeah, you do. You put them in the third row because it's six steps and off you go. <laughs> no, no. Just make sure I don't step on my kilt and trip. So as they're announcing the award winner, I look and there's Brian Williams walking up before they've even announced the winner. And the winner is Brian Williams for the Olympics. And I'm like, something's wrong with this picture. No, so, you, know, you know why you're in the third row is because it's they want to have an easy shot at getting a, a close-up of the loser. 
as Brian makes his speech. That's or, why you're or, in the third row. You're down on the seat so the camera wouldn't. <laughs> so, but you have, and you have to be gracious in, in losing. Yeah. And, 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 you know, when I was with the Rangers, right, and we yeah. won team of the year for the ESPYs, yeah. we were in the second balcony. Yeah. And I can remember sitting with all the team and going, we don't have a friggin' chance of winning. We're in the, we're in the second balcony. What, are they going to wait for us to come down? And sure enough, team of the year. The New York Rangers. So they had the elevator waiting for us. We went down and I made my way out. And uh, sure enough, walking down the aisle, high-fiving guys. And there's uh, Meatloaf. And I high-fived Meatloaf and went, hey, Meatloaf, high-fived them. He's probably going, who is that fat little goalie that just high-fived me? I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, Reminds so. me of a story. So yeah. I, used to, I used to own a restaurant on, uh, across from Maple Leaf Gardens called Gardoonies. I was there. And um, Meatloaf was performing at Maple Leaf Gardens one night. And the record company booked the entire restaurant for the post-concert show uh, party. And so uh, Dougie Gilmore, who was my partner in the restaurant, he and I go over and we, we sit and we watch the concert. Oh, just one sec, John. Ding, name drop. No oh, yeah, no, no, I'm, we're going to keep track. Ding. Okay, keep going. Well, I'm just trying to give him credit, it, although it's not due, because he didn't do Jack Poo for the restaurant. <laughs> um, Jack what? You know what I, I meant to say. <laughs> I still haven't got the hang of I can say whatever I want. Uh, yeah, don't, don't. People, people I don't want to go down that road. People you know? will be disappointed. Yeah. You know, I can swear like a like a sailor um, the minute the podcast is over. But during oh. we try and keep it at least one of us can family sure. oriented. Anyway, he, he did. So we, we come back from Here the concert, go. and of course the place is jammed with all the record company executives and his entourage, and and then the background singers come in, and I recognize a few of them and the band and whoever, and then he comes in, meatloaf, ding, and. Now, record company executive standing near me who had introduced himself. And he says, you want to meet him? And I said, well, yeah, sure. You know, I walk, walk. And, and, and he, he says, this is uh, meet Bob McCowan. And he, and he was very kind. He reaches out his hand. What do you call him? Meatloaf. Well, no, I called him. But you, what, you call him by his first name? Meat? Meat. <laughs> but Dang. I go, yeah. Well, I didn't know. Mr. Loaf. Nice to meet you, Mr. Loaf. I mean, I, I know he has a name, but neither of you two dum-dums know what it is, do you? No. No. And neither did I at the time. I'd be, a, I'd be a bat out of hell if I could tell you what his name was. Well, so you didn't introduce yourself and you didn't say, hi, I'm Meat, did you? No, I walked down the aisle and high-fived him and said, Meatloaf. Yeah. Well, that's okay, but I mean... Yeah, and the only way he would have recognized you is if you were, you know, wearing number 30 with the name on your back, right? Maybe not even then. No, even if I was like in full adornment, he would not have recognized me. He, he couldn't care less. He who was the first, who was the first one guy who was up front, which was Mark Messi. He knew him. That was it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not surprising. Yeah. Um, who was the first goaltender to wear 30? Because, you know, for when, when I was growing up, Everybody, goaltenders wore number one. 
I don't know, but I I loved Bruce Gamble. Yeah. Sawchuck wore 30. I loved him. Sawchuck wore 30 in Toronto. Yeah. I just, I, I, I looked at the, the way he played and thought, and then I found out about Bruce Gamble after and went, I love him even more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, just, he lived life like, boom. It, it, he was like meatloaf. He lived life with full throttle down. Uh, but, you know, I, uh, when I went to, um, when I went to LA, my, you know, very first time that I made the NHL. And I was like, I was always number 30. I don't know why, but always 30. And I thought I'll be number 30 in LA. Wow. No. Not to tell me that Rogie Vashon was number 30 and his number was retired. And I don't think uh, Rogatan Rosaire Vashon was going to take that number down and give it to Glenn Healy from Pickering, Ontario. Just saying. Thinking well, out. Highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. And so I was 35 in LA and then, and then kind of made a, a, a number of changes. I moved on, but you know, uh, yeah, a lot of guys were one Johnny Bauer, one of the best ever that ever played. Well, they were all, wait, not, not a lot of guys, all goaltenders wore number one at sure. one point. They never had two goals, right? Like they well, never had two, but God, they got backups. But like, if a backup came in out of the stands, Mm -hmm. The goalie got hurt and the backup came in out of the stance. He wore number one. So well, you could have a team with two or three number ones on it. Well, there was only one number one, uh, one at a time. Well, there was only one at a time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But, but I going, mean, if you go way back, but yes, no, it's, uh, it's there. It's, I, I still, still remember the shock when uh, Tony Esposito played for Montreal and wore 29 and I was in shock because and then Dryden wore 29 a, a couple of years later that they actually there was one in 30 how do goalies how do goalies not wear one or 30 and this this well, guy's wearing 29 so who do you know who the first goalie was to wear 30 no I'm, I'm waiting with <sighs> John do you know no but if you go you'd you'd be able to to figure it out if you go through the you know the lineage of when they went to two goaltenders um and so what was that the early 60s late late 50s you know well, i remember dennis 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 dejordi in chicago you know those types of guys hank bassin you know there was i i don't know that's a good question but but the good thing is is that we do have enough hockey nerds that will watch this that we will get a text message or a twitter feed or or something we won't have to wait it'll somebody will pop it up and say well, hey gonna, you, jerks, you don't know minute. anybody you don't I'm know googling anything. it right now another topic um he was the coach of the new york rangers when they won the stanley cup when you all won the stanley cup mike keenan has a book coming out we we know we know lots <laughs> for those that are listening. <laughs> Ilya is crossing himself at this moment. <laughs> um, look, I always got along great with Mike and, and, you know, he used to come on periodically uh, on the show and um, you know, between gigs, he, he would go and do TV every once in a while. So I had him on both when he was coaching and when he was broadcasting, I always got along with him fine, but I know he had, his his tenure in any place was brief because he wore out his welcome in a big hurry what do you expect out of this book or do you expect anything uh i'm hoping 
you come clean with it all. That would be fantastic, right? Because that maniacal mind that he had and some of the things he did, whether it was putting Derek Smith and Pete Zezel and Tockett into the furnace room of the in Philadelphia in the spectrum there yeah. whether it was uh, what happened in, in New York when you know he professed to us that he was not going anywhere he was going to be the coach of the Rangers and then when they did an investigation we lost like three draft picks and four players because he had already negotiated a deal and we hadn't even finished our Stanley Cup playoff run it, you know I, I'm hoping it's a an honest tell-all book I'm hoping it's not a, uh, you know, kind of a fiction series that some of the players have written. See Spot Run, see Jack Fall, see, like, bring it and and tell the truth as to, you know, what you were thinking the way you were thinking. And if he does that, it's a must read because there is nobody like Mike, nobody. Um, and, you know, hey, I played underneath him for a year. I was a 15 year old kid in Pickering go to the Peterborough and uh, he told me that I would never amount to anything. And as a 16, 15 year old kid, I was devastated and I couldn't wait for him to make the NHL. And when he walked by the room in, in LA with the Philadelphia Flyers, I was the first guy to go up and shake his hand and go, can't believe you made it. Here you go. I was going to amount to nothing. You finally made it. Here we did go. You, did you sit on a de- did you sit on a desk beside him at, at TSN? No, no, never no. there. Uh, okay. But uh, you know what? At the what, what, when you're not playing for Mike, you like Mike. He's a great guy. Yeah. You know that's why Bobcat likes him. But don't <laughs> put skates on, sit in a locker room, and have him sit and he, and he would sit there with his hands and he would just work his hair the whole day and. And then, boom, launch it like 17 players. So, Bobcat, yes. As long as you're not wearing skates and a uniform, you're fine. Well, I get it. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, to this I've thing, heard the stories a million times, Healy, you know. I would say Mike helped us to win a cup, and I appreciate that. And it's uh, certainly a memory I would never, ever uh, want to leave me. Uh, and, and, hey, our family name's on the cup, and it stays on there forever. And so... Mike had a big part of that. I, I want to read his book, and I hope it's a, a real good story and, and not like uh, Ty Domi's book, which was a <laughs> fantasy. Don't, so, don't go there. Don't oh, I've, oh, yeah, well, I haven't read Ty's book. I, I don't dis, I dispute what you're saying, but I, I, I can give you a long list of books by, by athletes, great athletes, great athletes that are just complete fiction. I mean, they don't tell the truth about almost anything, but mostly their personal lives. Yeah. And I understand that. I understand an unwillingness to unveil yourself, you know, to shed the emperor's clothes or whatever and say, this is what really happened. But don't write a book then. <laughs> if you're not going to tell the truth, don't write the book. Yeah. Because uh, I'm not going to believe it. I am. I'm totally with you. So I'm, I'm waiting with, Bated breath for this one. And I hope it's really darn good because it would be a must read. Uh, <laughs> you know, we love having you with us and we thank you very much for your time as always. And um, you're happy and, uh, and I assume healthy. 
you look healthy. Tonight, I was going to say you look like you could still play, but you couldn't play that much when you played. So, oh, that's well, hurtful. Only on the road. In the, he's in the Western Michigan Bronco Hall of Fame. Come on. I know. Yeah. Well, you're in, the, you're in the Pickering Hockey Hall of Fame, aren't you? Is there one of those? A sports Hall of Fame. The only time I got to play at the Air Canada Center was with Paul McCartney. <laughs> well, that's if your boss let you go on the go, go on the trip, right? That was Pat Quinn. He goes, yeah, you finally got to play at home, eh? <laughs> yeah. It took Paul McCartney coming in to get me to play at the Air Canada Center. Mulligan Tire, thanks for coming. Anyways. Is that jersey still up in that arena in Pickering? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. God. It's never coming down, is it? No, no. And then the haircut was just amazing. Uh, I don't know where my mom got the ruler to cut my hair like straight across, but she clearly had the right ability to cut hair. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I was like 22 years old before I went to an actual hairdresser. It was all done at home. So Really? Oh, yeah. Well, Tell you what, there is something to be said for the Scots. Yeah. The wee Scots that are a wee bit cheap on No, thing. no, no. At, at home, you call it thrifty. Frugal. <laughs> thrifty. Have a bravery moonlich nicht the nicht. Oh. And we'll, uh, we'll see you down the road. We love you, Healy. For Ferriance, a saucy face, so chieftain of the pudding race, Bob McCallum. <laughs> Whatever he said. <laughs> we need um, closed captions. We need closed captions now. Oh, my God. Coming soon. Glenn Healy, back after these messages. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.